I V M. Welcome to All Things Policy, a daily podcast supported by Pragati, a flagship media initiative of the Sakshashila Institution. We are a bunch of policy nerds based in Bengaluru, and we like to bring fresh perspectives to Indian affairs and an Indian perspective to global affairs. So grab a cup of coffee, sit back, and join us for today's chat. Hello and welcome to another episode of All Things Policy, where we discuss policy issues of importance to help you make sense of all the news that you read. My name is Priyal Dianmeda, and I work with the research group at Takshashila Institution focusing on health and life sciences. Havana syndrome was back in the news. On August 24, 2021, U.S. Vice President Kamala Harris had to wait at Singapore till the U.S. Embassy in Vietnam was being searched for any device that may have led to symptoms associated with Havana syndrome in some of the U.S. Embassy staffers. U.S. Embassy in Germany also reported few cases, which was first in a NATO country, as the Economist noted. This was first reported in 2016. by USCIA and state department staff deployed at the new embassy in Havana Cuba 200 people have reported symptoms that are baffling doctors first identified in Cuba cases have since popped up in Australia Austria Colombia Russia and Uzbekistan Canadian officials have also reported experiencing Havana syndrome to discuss this i have with Meeru Turaj who is a research analyst at Takshashila institution Welcome to this podcast Rudraj. Thank you Priyal. Good to be here. Now before we start, let's get some terminologies out of the way. Can you tell the listeners about the difference between a symptom, a syndrome and a disease? Uh, sure. So symptom is any sign which is associated with deviation from the norm. That is your healthy body will have a certain temperature or a certain form or a certain pigmentation and if uh, there is change from that then it's called as a symptom. and a set of symptoms that always appear to are known as syndrome so let's say in let's say in terms of covid breathlessness plus a particular type of uh, fever and and the throat infection these three symptoms together would you know constitute as let's say the syndrome associated with covid and 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 then let's say if of the scientific world the medical world the actual cause of this of all these correlated symptoms then that whole thing is known as a disease So a symptom is an individual deviation. Deviant. A syndrome is a group of symptoms always appearing together, and a disease is the whole picture tying the causal agent to uh, the symptoms. So in this case, the world is referring to these conditions as Havana syndrome because there are a certain set of symptoms that appear together. We will talk about these individual symptoms slightly later in the podcast, but the world is still not convinced about the. causal agent of this and that's why the word havana syndrome has been used to define this particular phenomenon so when we are talking about the havana syndrome what are the symptoms that are presented by a person yes so right from 2016 when the first cases were reported people were reported intense pressure inside the head deafening noise and then that led to headaches nosebleeds in a few cases anxiety general brain fog like nausea and then after this when the staffers went home some also reported insomnia for a few days and i think so two people also reported hearing loss and one of them has had permanent hearing loss now this was reported 
in Cuba. And then these guys were then circulated back to uh, to US. And then when further studies were done on them at the University of Pennsylvania and University of Florida, which included brain scans, what was found that there was also a damage uh, to the white brain matter of these people. Not everyone had them, but many of them had certain various degrees of injury to their white matter. And this particular form of injury is very similar to a concussion, but none of these people had a concussion. So it was all the internal damage, moderate internal damage that one would affect with concussion without actually having had a physical blow to the head. Okay. Now that we know what these symptoms are, and uh, so what could be the possible reasons behind this phenomenon? Like what causes lead to this phenomenon? Yes. So in the initial initial few days, when this was new, I'm talking about 2016, there were many uh, theories that were floated. Some people suggested that this is not actually caused by anything, but it's all psychosomatic because this was a new embassy in the sense that US had just resumed diplomatic ties with Cuba. These people were under intense you know, surveillance. It, it, it's sort of a challenging posting. Any, any embassy staff, any embassy posting is anyway challenging, but this was particularly more challenging. So certain people thought maybe this is just stress and uh, overwork, uh, which is leading to these symptoms. But then when the MRI scans, uh, the brain imaging scans came up, uh, people uh, st- set up a few investigating, uh, the US basically set up a few investigating committees. Uh, one of these studies basically then systematically went about trying to figure out whether it was caused by, let's say, any chemical agent, maybe a pesticide or some neurotoxin that was maybe administered to this embassy. Or maybe uh, it was crickets or bats maybe trapped in the air conditioning ducts and somehow their calls amplified uh, and then this led to headaches in the in these people. And other things were also explored, like maybe there was a electronic device that was placed somewhere that somehow led to certain radiation or maybe there was a listing device like a bug electronic bug that somehow was transmitting transmitting and during this transmission because it was placed in a certain you know air conditioning duct or a particular corner of the embassy that led to it emitting certain sound waves and that led to the, this Havana syndrome as we call it now. So what was the outcome of this was definitely US has ruled out that it's not a chemical or a pesticide based attack nor is it you know just a structural you know serendipitous origin in the sense that it's not the, just the, like a faulty design of ducts or something but what they claim is definitely some kind of a device which is capable of emitting uh, like directed energy and why they say so is because if you uh, see the the symptoms in the, in the people that is the initial people though they were similar and they were of different degrees and that depended and then the hypothesis was that it probably depends on how far they were standing from the particular device and also the way this particular device works is is based on the size of a particular person the other his other bio- biological condition like size weight blood pressure how hydrated or dehydrated he is so all these things made more sense that it's probably some kind of a device which uses directed energy and that might lead to things associated with the Havana syndrome. Okay. Uh, Now, before we move on to the next question, uh, let's take a short break.
and we are back to continue with our conversation regarding the Havana syndrome. Uh, now that there are so many uh, reasons that have been narrowed down behind this phenomenon, what actually happens when sound waves are used the way US investigation is suggesting? Yes. So I would like to add one more thing to the, uh, the to this in the sense uh, the US investigation has suggested definitely energy waves and the range, uh, the, it could be the microwaves uh, to certain sound waves and slightly beyond sound waves in the electromagnetic spectrum as well. So there is still uh, no consensus whether it was, whether it's exactly microwaves or sound waves, but, but there seems to be more people supporting the data than the former. So what happens when, let's say, a directed energy uh, sources focused on a particular person. I mean, any biological uh, entity, any animal which has the same physiology, like, like uh, blood, bones, as we, we have and uh, the soft tissue and stuff like that. What happens is that this directed energy leads to formation of bubbles in the in blood or in certain other fluids that are present in the body. Let's say the, the, the cerebrospinal fluid, which is present around the brain as well as the spinal cord and uh, also the blood vessels and, and other such things uh, which contain water. So these bubbles they, uh, then travel to a, a certain degree and then they burst. This is known as cavitation. The bubbles cavity and they release energy. And where these bubbles burst, the cells in the surrounding region get physically damaged, leading tissue damage. Now, let's say if these bubbles are formed in inner ear and then the bubbles burst in the inner ear, it might lead to hearing loss. If the damage is extensive enough, it might lead to permanent hearing loss. Some staffers also reported nosebleeds. This could be because, let's say, the small blood vessels in the nose of these people suffered cavitation and that led to nosebleeds. The um, damage that we saw in the white brain matter this could be because the, there are, of course, blood there are blood vessels, like very many blood vessels that go into the brain, as well as there is a cerebrospinal fluid around the brain. Maybe these staffers had these bubbles exploding inside the blood vessels of the brain or the fluid around the brain. And that might explain the concussion-like injuries without actually having a physical trauma, like a TBI, that is traumatic brain injury. So this seems to be the mechanism pretty simple but brutal at the level of micro vessels and especially uh, when it comes to brain uh, and the brain as we all know cannot regenerate to that extent as other body parts this damage could not will not be lethal but definitely lead to a lot of uneasy uh, symptoms now that we know quite a lot about the symptoms and what exactly causes this, and there is some investigation that has been going on, was anyone blamed for the this syndrome? Like, was anyone, did US blame somebody for this? There has not been an official statement with maybe a particular country or agency, but the usual suspects being thought of Russia, China. Uh, but no, US has not categorically come up with any such claims. So I, I would like to leave it at that. Okay. Yeah. Now, like with so many things happening regarding the officials and stuff, what are the steps that are taken in this direction? Like, has there been any reforms that have been made for this syndrome? 
So not reforms or anything as such, but like the US being US, they have now uh, they they have now identified this as uh, as a possible threat. So let's say uh, any staffer which reports these certain symptoms, they are subjected to a particular series of tests, including brain scans, which is not you know everyday uh, part of everyday medical procedure. So they have definitely identified it as something serious. Apart from that, they have, you know, enacted an act. It's named the Havana Act, which is actually an acronym, which means, so H-A-B-A-N-A, Helping American Victims Afflicted by Neurological Attacks Act. So this was passed in 2021, July 6. So what this act is doing is basically setting aside some funds that will go into the medical care, medical care that might, you know, arise due to embassy staffers which might suffer from Havana syndrome. And apart from that, I mean, there is there, there has been no other policy change as such. They have what, as far as my uh, reading is concerned, they have identified it as a problem. They have set certain funds aside and they have certain series of medical tests and uh, care that they have put uh, in place. Um, now, considering the gravity of the situation, should India and the Indian diplomats need to be worried? And what do you think should be India's stance regarding this? So that will depend which country was responsible for the targeting of US embassy staffers and a few Canadian ones. But having said that, yes, I mean, each country, including India, should, of course, think of the safety of its embassy and consulate staff. So considering this is this it seems to be like a tiny device or something like that, which can be you know placed inside the embassy. And now we know how exactly the symptoms of Havana syndrome appear. I guess we need to be careful about the you know, general security as well as if one of our staffers, especially in you know uh, challenging posting reports these symptoms. Uh, we should probably piggy bank on the, the type of tests or what you know, treatment protocols that US has developed. Uh, so, considering that Havana syndrome presumably uses sound wave technology, but do you think this seems possible? Like, do such technologies exist? And if they exist, like, are they currently in use somewhere? Oh, yes, they are. So, uh, use of energy directed weapons is an is nothing new in the sense theoretically as well as this actual application but considering we are but like because we are talking about havana syndrome and probably uh, sound waves are being used here i would try to talk about something called as the long range acoustic device the lard device now this has, is routinely used by police of many countries so when i say police it means it is used in the law enforcement against I mean, so it is deployed by police against citizens of its own country. This is not used in war or this is not used against embassy of another country. But this is used during, let's say, riots or during protests or, or just routine you know, crowd control just as a backup. So US, Greece, Czech Republic, Germany, Azerbaijan, they have these systems and in the police of these countries have these systems and they openly declare that they have these systems and they have also admitted that they had deployed these systems against their own civilians at various times in the last maybe 10-15 years. To give one example, 
And during the Occupy Wall Street protest, the U.S. the New York uh, police had the had a LARD system in New York just in case the the movement had spilled over. Uh, Greece during its economic troubles saw a series of riots and protests. The Greece police had admitted of having employed this. Germany uh, during certain protests after the refugee crisis has uh, admitted of deploying things against its own citizens and general crowd control. Azerbaijan also after the war and the troubles there has admitted to using these. So the use of these is nothing new. One thing I would like to uh, highlight here is that this energy-directed weapon, at least in this range, which use sound waves, are deemed as, are termed as non-lethal weapons uh, because these don't cause immediate harm. And it's and it's very easy to actually get away from the, the source of the weapon. So as the name suggests, not as the name suggests, but as the technology is, the particular device emits uh, energy in a directed fashion. So it has a cone, a narrow cone. Uh, these energy waves are effective. So a person can quickly understand where the sources and can move out. Uh, and even if a person is directly in the line of these weapons, there is not an extensive damage. It's not lethal as such. So these are called as non-lethal uh, weapons, but of course, I mean, there can be long-term damage because let's say there is extensive damage to the white brain matter uh, or, or or ear or, you know, maybe even the eye, it could be permanent loss of hearing or certain brain capacities might be affected. So those, though they are termed non-lethal, they will have certain long-range uh, effects. Yeah, okay. Thank you so much for uh, such an informative session, Dutraj, and thank you for joining me today. This is Priyan signing off, and thank you all for listening. If you liked our show, don't forget to check out other interesting podcasts on the IVM network. You can tune into them on the IVM podcast app, ivmpodcast.com, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. You can also follow IVM on social media. The handle is at IVM Podcasts on Twitter, Facebook and Instagram. And hey, if you'd like to dive into Takshashila's research on technology, strategy and economic affairs, check us out at our Twitter handle at Takshashila INST or our website takshashila.org.in.